Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Suave. Been in my back for a while, I'm invincible Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical Calling on my bros one time, cause you special I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil Different road change relationships, I'm so sorry Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly now- Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting this season Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA and more You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. All righty, guys. We are back with another episode of the What's In Your Bag podcast presented by BetOnline. I'm Andrew Robinson, and today we are joined once again by superstar host Alexis Davis. She's back from, you know, her little world tour covering the Super Bowl, you know what I'm saying? So we're just blessed to have her back on the platform and see her face today. So, Alexis, what's good, man? How you living? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. You know what I'm saying? Definitely, like I said, better better now that we're we, we back on air. You know what I'm saying? Um, before we introduce our guests, you know what I'm saying? Definitely got to get some business out of the way. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, stop what you're doing right now and go ahead and tap that subscribe button. We just hit 3,000 subscribers on YouTube as of this recording. Hopefully by the time this comes out, you know what I'm saying? We'll be around like 5K, you know what I'm saying? So keep running that up, y'all. Um, thanks to y'all for, for subscribing, following along. Give us a thumbs up. It goes a long way. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, if you're hearing this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, definitely, you know, follow the show. Give us a five-star rating. It goes a long way. Um, that was my guy, Pull Up Tay, on the intro. One of the hottest up-and-coming artists out of the DMV. It's going to be him on the outro as well. Make sure you guys are streaming his music. Um, he's got an album coming out, so make sure y'all stay tuned and tap in as always, man. But now that we got the business out of the way, you know what I'm saying, it's time that we introduce our guest this is an interview that i've been trying to get for probably the past couple of months you know what i'm saying but you know when you got motion when you're busy you know what I'm saying sometimes stuff happens and uh you know i think that the time is perfect now um we got our guy antonio depina um some of you guys might know him from the circle um others might know him from hooping back in, in at, at lincoln university entrepreneurship or <laughs> 30 under 30 um uh, my guy is definitely super well well traveled Super accomplished, man, and we're definitely honored to have you on the platform today, man. Um, so thanks for coming on with us. No, definitely, definitely. Appreciate you guys for having me. No doubt. No doubt, man. Um, like I said, man, we got a lot to discuss, you know what I'm saying, from just the entrepreneurship, hooping, you know, the overseas life, man. But before we get into all that, man, I kind of want to rewind it, take it all the way back to the beginning um, and just let people know kind of who you are, you know, as an individual. So, you know, obviously, you know, you, you know, African roots, you know, Cape Verde and, and Liberian, you know, you grew up. Uh, in Delaware, but kind of talking about just your upbringing, kind of just, um, you know, the, the, them, them early days growing up around basketball, growing up in Delaware, um, and just just obviously the African roots and everything. You just talk about just early life and kind of just what, what made you the person that, that you are today. Yeah, 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 100%. Um, yeah, so I grew up in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. If those don't know, Wilmington is like, it's a it's a nice little city, um, if you if you just hear it from like your, your, your ears, but 
it's rough. So I grew up in Wilmington. Um, my early years, I didn't even play basketball, man. I started playing basketball like around like middle school. Like a, a coach, I went to a tryout. He took a chance on me. I was horrible. I sucked. I, I, my feet were too big for me. Like I didn't know how to run. Like it was crazy. So he ended up taking a chance on me and ended up playing basketball. And basketball changed my life, man. I ended up getting good eventually. I grew into my feet. Um, I was decent. I wouldn't say I was the best player in the world. You know what I mean? Like a lot of guys that come on here and they'll cap. Man, I was like the top 10 ranked player. And da, 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 da. I was okay, man. I was like, in like the hoop school, I was like number 400 in the country. Like it was nothing crazy for me. Like I ended up getting a scholarship to a D2 school and the playing there, man. But my early years, man, was I was just like trying my best at basketball, man. It, it changed my life, bro. Like it kept me out of a lot of trouble. I didn't do a lot of things because I played basketball. Like I didn't even drink until like I hit 18. Like, <laughs> like none of that shit. Like I was, I was really, really, really like, chilling like because of basketball man so thank god for basketball bro Wilmington, that, that's the home of uh busy bones ain't it yeah bones you already know man yeah yeah <laughs> he's on the clippers now but he he he, he going they got they got to play him man like they've they been like keep him under the wraps but nah bones is tough i don't know if you really watch bones bones is tough man bro i've been watching bones since he was not in high school but vcu because obviously we're all facts we've covering the 8 so i used to, i watched mm-hmm. him in person they came to george mason this is the year mm-hmm. 2021. Boy, I he seen him lit them up. Early on George Mason. I said, oh my God. Lit them up. And it's so crazy because he's so skinny, bro. And it's like you see him, mm-hmm. he's like, how is he? But he getting to the rack, laying dudes. It don't matter. You know what I'm saying? So um it's definitely crazy. My, he my got brother, a dog in him. Nah, facts. And I so I don't know if you knew, but I got a twin brother too. And uh, he played basketball with me, Quinnipiac, Coppin. And uh, he works for the Clippers now. So obviously they they, they, they just traded for bones. So he be playing against Bones in the little they, they call them like stay ready games it's for the guys that like aren't really playing right now. And he playing mm-hmm. him, him, him and Bones been been, uh, been getting busy in the stay ready games, man. So you know, shout out to Wilmington for sure, man. Nah, the Bones is tough, man. He shouldn't be playing stay ready games. That's how that's how I see it, man. But it's, yeah, he's, he's, like, he's probably the best player to ever come out of come out of this league, man. Sure. After being at Lincoln for a little bit, well, I guess. Kind of talk about that a little bit, just being at Lincoln, um, your mm-hmm. different experiences, whether that was in the classroom, playing basketball, just anything that right. you felt like is still impacting what you're doing now. Right, right. Did you, uh, what school did you go to last? You went to HBCU? Yeah, I went to North Carolina A&T. Okay, okay, okay. So we got some HBCU people in the building. So HBCU as you know, like, grads, that's HBCU, tough. yeah, exactly. So as you know, it's not all roses and candy when you go to HBCU, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. It's a lot of a lot of walks to the bursar's office, a lot of walks to financial aid, you know what I mean? Trying to get your stuff in order. But I actually, I went to a Division II school first. It was like a PWI. And um, then I transferred to Lincoln my like after my sophomore year because I got into some trouble. I ended up getting like my scholarship taken. You know what I mean? Um, I was doing some dumb stuff, found the wrong people. Um, I'm gonna be honest, like I was like scamming checks in college, bro. It was like bad. And um, I had to learn from like my mistakes, like, yo, why are you doing stuff like that? You had the perfect opportunity. So they sent me home and I'm gonna scotch to Lincoln. Um, but you know, Lincoln like kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things, you know, because there was no coaches holding my hand. You know what I mean? It's HBCU, you know what I mean? Everybody from there was from Philly, New York, or or the DMV area. And you know, at Lincoln, it was like um how do we got this thing at Lincoln where it's like a, a Lincoln pride, like where you got to kind of like fend for yourself in my school. Like it was like, uh, I don't know about uh, NKI, like uh, A&T or, or, or Coppin, but at Lincoln, it was like, you kind of got to like, um, I don't know how to say it. Like you kind of like, like yourself in a way you or? on your own, like you on your own, like you, anything you do, like you're on your own, except, except partying, partying, we all together. But like, 
when you go in a class, you go to bench eight, nobody's going with you. Like it was like kind of like that, man. I don't, I never understood it, but, but like Lincoln was cool. I, I think that I learned a lot from Lincoln as far as growing up. You know, what I mean, I was by myself. I had to grow up. I had to get the class. I had to make sure everything was good. I had to make sure I graduated on time. That's like major. Like nobody graduates on time for some reason. Um, but yeah, it was like a growing up, growing experience for me. So you you mentioned a little bit you know, just kind of getting in trouble with freshman year a little bit, but kind of taking it a step further. Do you think that's kind of tied to a lot of freshmen and a lot of people in college not having what they need or like underestimating how much finances really go into being successful when you're that college freshman? Or do you think it was more so you had enough and you just wanted more? Like, what do you think kind of was the the basis of that? If like, without getting too deep? Um, I mean, I grew up, I, I wouldn't say I had much, you know what I mean? I came from a single mother home. You know what I mean? I, if I didn't have a basketball scholarship, I don't think I would even went to college. There's nothing for me there. Um, so yeah, just being, just being like, I had to be out of grow. I know I have no older brothers, so you know I had nobody to look up to. I learned everything by myself. I had to learn to fight by myself, shoot a basketball by myself, shave by myself. And if you know, what I mean, if you if you kind of have like don't have like an older sibling, like an older brother, or like someone in the house, you kind of got to do things yourself. You got to learn things yourself. So I would never blame anybody. It was just me, just going there. My mother supported me, but I just wanted to get things on my own. You know what I mean? That's just how it was. So I did uh, follow the wrong people. And, you know, around that time, it was like scam city. Everybody was scamming. So it was just like <laughs> something I just got into. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. So I wouldn't blame nobody. It was just me being dumb. <laughs> Word. I'm um, always open about what I did. Man. I, I never lied to anybody. For <laughs> uh, sure. I think, um, man, I think I think what you said is, is really, you know, profound. Number one, being open and honest and being able to talk about it. But two, be able to see like where you have gone since then, you know what I'm saying? And being able to obviously become an entrepreneur that you've been able to, to, to become uh, the full 30 under 30, which we're going to get into later. But um, I kind of want to, I think that this is very important to kind of um, talk about because, you know, right now, and as we're recording this episode, John Morant is in the media right now, crazy for kind of things that he's doing right now. And like the whole gun situation and the finish line stuff and all these things. Everybody's like, damn, like what's going on, bro? You, you in the league, like you got all the stuff going on. Why are you doing X, Y, Z? Um, and people say the same kind of about people getting trouble in college, right? Like, Oh man, you, you playing ball in college. Like why you, why you scamming checks or why you doing Why you, I know people that got put out of school for shooting BB guns out of windows, all type of crazy stuff. Um, but I think, back, man, like looking back on like, obviously where you've been able to, you know, go since then, Looking back on that situation, right? How do you think getting in trouble early or messing up early and having to learn from that uh, decision that you made kind of helps you moving forward? And for somebody like John Morant, who's 23 years old, you know, the world's kind of coming down right now. How do you think, you know, somebody like that who's an athlete who might have made a mistake at an early age can kind of rebound from that and make something um, of themselves, you know, kind of kind of going forward like you've been able to do? All right. Right. I think the situation is different, though, a little bit. I think with my situation and in any situations from, from, young, from young men just just being doing just doing dumb things and making mistakes. I think the, the key difference between John Moran and other kids is that John Moran is a millionaire. I think that's like a major difference. Like some I know guys that had that had to sell drugs because they hadn't they had, there's no other way. I know guys that just got out of, out of jail who who got to fend for themselves. I don't think it's the right way. But sometimes you got if you got a, if you got a daughter, you got a kid. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. It's not always right. But I think with Josh's situation, it's a little different because he just signed a $200 million deal. You know what I mean? So you kind of, I kind of get less remorse for it. Like, I don't really feel as bad because you just signed a $200 million deal, bro. Like, 
Why are you holding the gun up? You don't have to do that. You can hire security. Literally, you can hire security. Like you can have the whole place full of security if you wanted to. So I kind of feel different because I've seen things in real life. So it's not like I like I know guys really have to do things like that. And this I don't I don't really feel remorseful, but I don't I think that he's gonna learn his lesson because I did and everybody makes mistakes. But as far as the choices, I think that he should make better choices. And I don't think that it was a, a much of a mistake as someone that has to do it, if that makes sense. Right. Do you think it's a matter of with you, you know, making your mistakes, you were able to make it in Philly, small. Well, not Link is not directly in Philly, but in Pennsylvania, kind of your own community and just kind of go through it with yourself and like your intimate family versus Ja. He has to go through it in front of the millions and millions of people that are, you know, Grizzly fans and non-Grizzly fans. Do you think that adds to it as well? Yeah, yeah, because there's a sense of embarrassment. Like you're, you're kind of embarrassed. But then again, like, I, I feel for Ja, like, I really do. But then again, I don't, because at the same time, nobody recorded him with the gun. He recorded himself with the gun. You know what I mean? He recorded himself. Like, it's like you can't, like, he knows, like, you're literally recording yourself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, it's hard to feel sorry for that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's very, very hard for me. The hand is crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, come on. <laughs> um, nah, but I wanted to ask you, like, I guess kind of speaking just on your situation, like, how were you able to, you know, take that hit and take that L, but still be able to bounce back and, like, you know, like I said, make yourself into the person that you are today? Because, again, you could have easily got in trouble at the first school, got kicked out, and just went back to the crib. And, all right, I'm in the trenches with it now, you know what I'm saying? But that wasn't the end of your story, and you obviously were able to rebound and kind of get yourself back on track. Um, what do you think was... I guess your mentality in doing that and being able to get back on your feet and then kind of looking back on it now, hindsight is 2020. Um, you know, do you think that, I guess, not, 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 not that you're thankful that it happened, but I guess, you know, that you were able to, how do you kind of reflect on it? You know, being able to be like, all right, you know what? I took that L, but I was able to kind of rebound from it. And now, you know, I think I'm, I'm better for it. Yeah. yeah. I think it turned me to like, it's a bad it's a bad scenario because I, I didn't really want to lose a basketball scholarship in my first school. I didn't want to have to get sent home midseason. Like it was it was tragic because like you could see that I could feel the look of disappointment on my mom's face. So it wasn't always good. But when I had to, when I got in trouble, I had to pay something. If if you ever done something, it's called restitution. Yeah. It's where you gotta pay the pay the money you took back. Yeah. And um I had to do that. Like that was my little kind of plea deal or whatever you want to call it. So I had to do that. Um and it kind of, that's when I started really learning that I was a hustler. Like I had no job. I had to figure out how was I going to sell something to make this money? I was going to ask my mom for it. Like I just came home. So I had to figure out like, okay, if I can get this, I can make this. If I can get this. I had to sell different things. Nothing like illegally, but like I had to sell like, oh, I could buy this from here. I can go sell it on eBay. I can do this. And I kind of was turning into a little hustler without even knowing. Because at the same time, when I was a kid, I sold candy, but I didn't know I was a hustler. I came home from this. I didn't know I was a hustler. So Little things like God was kind of putting me in the path to know, like, yo, you can really, you know, work your way through anything. Thanks. Thanks. Um, now, obviously, kind of transitioning from that. So you leave college, you leave Lincoln, and you sign a pro deal to play in Portugal. Um, talk mm -hmm. about that whole process, that whole experience, and then kind of when you look back on your basketball career, like, how do you think the basketball career kind of contributed to the next lane that you were able to step into uh, in entrepreneurship? Yeah, my senior year at Lincoln, I didn't even play a lot, man. I, I kind of my, my coach got fired for my junior year. Um, coach Hill, he ended up getting fired from Lincoln University and ended up going to like another CIAA school. Um, but we got a new coach called Doug Overton, who was an NBA player. 
you know, high profile guy. Um, I probably started the first few games at the point guard position. Um, then I was placed at the end of the bench, man. I'm not even gonna say a lot of you. I probably averaged two points a game, 2.6, I believe. It was crazy, bro. And um, my last year of college, man. So I didn't even play like that. Um, I got as much film as I could, put it together. Sorry. And um, ended up sending it to coaches, man, overseas in Portugal. And um, one coach, you know, found it. He liked it. He signed me, bro. It was like the luck of the draw, bro. I don't even know why I even got signed to a pro team. Like, I didn't even play a lot my senior year. So a lot of guys I know that are really, really good didn't even go pro. So it was crazy to see, but it was just a luck of the draw, man. Like, Scott had a plan for me. Ended up playing professionally off of a off of a Facebook message. I literally messaged him on Facebook Messenger. Like, it was crazy, bro. That's hectic. So then talk about that experience playing in Portugal. Like, what was that whole experience like? Ah, it was a great experience. Um, you know, I got to got to live the whole experience. I played in Portugal. I played in the first division at that. So I was playing against like the best teams in Portugal. Um, but it was a blessing, man. I, like I wasn't supposed to be there, man. I averaged two points per game. So every single day I remember waking up and I was like, yo, man, like this is a blessing. Like I'm an, I'm a professional athlete. Like I had to wake up, go eat my meals, go to practice, use the gym. Like, and I was having fun because, you know, when you're an American, you get to play all the minutes. So it's like, I get to really play, you know, it was, it was actually kind of cool, man. And then I got, I left there mid season. I went to, uh, I went to play in Spain and I played in Spain's like third division, just based off my first division playing in Portugal. So I played in some good divisions, man. And I was like, Super excited, bro. I never took it for granted. I remember that for a fact. I never took not one day for granted, bro. It was amazing. That's crazy. That's so before I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Alexis jump in a second. I played in Portugal too. I played for Immortal. Um I'm not sure if they were in Immortal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um what city were you in? What city was your team in? I played for Electrical FC. It was their first time being in the first division. And then we sucked so bad that we lost and we went back down. <laughs> wait, so wait, where were you guys if at? You know, if you know if you know Portugal, if you know Portugal, like you know there's really, really good teams and there's really, really bad teams in the yeah. first like, like it's like no like I don't know what you want to call. It. I guess the NBA because they have like salary caps, but yeah. there's no salary caps overseas. So guys have really high budgets to get the best players. It's crazy. We had no yeah. shot. You got the Sporting, Sporting, Porto, and Benfica. Sporting, Benfica, yep. Yeah, and everybody was kind of like a drop-off from there. So like <laughs> Exactly. Eliverance was good one a few times, but that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eliverance, I think they, they were they were they won it back to back. I don't know if that was when you were there, but they were they were they wanted the league back to back. What do you remember just kind of from playing against those? Uh because I mean now sporting sporting and uh Porto play FIBA Euro Cup and Benfica plays Champions League. So Portuguese basketball has come a long way. Mm -hmm. For those who are listening, all three of those leagues are, are international competition, European competition. Um, so mm -hmm. I, mean, I remember we we played uh, Benfica at home. We almost beat them. Played them on the road. Got smacked by forty. Um, you mm -hmm. remember some of them games just just going against some of them teams? Like uh, I guess any any crazy moments just from playing those games against them, them high level teams? Oh yeah, Porto smacked us by like forty. <laughs> Boy, that was the most embarrassing game. You know, in that court, because, like, our coach couldn't say nothing to us. Like, we're just getting smacked. Like, there's nothing you can do because it's not even like you're getting outcoached or outplayed. They're just better than you. Like, they just got high-caliber players. Like, they're getting 6'10", G League or, or, or veteran players that have played for 10-plus years. Like, they're clearly killing our Portuguese big man. Like, it's not even a debate. <laughs> so, it was like a um, – I didn't like those games, but the games that we played against, like, Cab Madeira, like, those teams that was, like, close – yeah, I like those because it was like really competitive. So that was, those were the good ones. Cabot lit to you on that island. Woo! I miss yeah, yeah, it was nice. I went out. I went out when I was there. It was, it was lit. <laughs> Big lit. <laughs> yeah, it was like like hella uh, casinos. It was nice.
big bags. So kind of moving on a little bit to, I guess you could say your reality TV debut, new life, new, I'm on Netflix, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So when it comes to being on the circle, how do they pick who goes on there? Was it just like a, you get a random email or like, what was that process like getting picked to go on the show? Yeah. So (laughs) it's funny how I ended up getting on that show. Um, So I saw like, you know, Instagram, like you're just scrolling through one night. I saw like an ad that said like, you know, join this comp- competition or like, it was like sign up for this audition. It didn't say nothing about Netflix. It didn't say nothing about no circle. The circle was even a show then. And so I just filled out the form and I was home from overseas. I was trying to do like business things. So I was, I was driving like Uber Eats and stuff. So I'm driving Uber Eats right one day and I'm like, I get a phone call and they're like, yo, uh, it's Antonio. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, what's up? They said, oh, um, this da da from the audition. Um, can you come to the audition still? Because I totally forgot about it, so I must have missed it. I guess nobody must have went to the audition. And I said, you know what? Yeah, I'll come. So I was only like 10 minutes from the place of the audition. It was crazy. It was like, just just so happened, I took an order that was next to the place of the audition. So then I went to the audition. I didn't think I was going to get that shit. I was like, man, I'm, I'm over here. I'm regular clothes. I'm like, I'm, I don't know nothing about auditioning or anything. They asked me about where I was from, all these things. Like a month later, they called me back. or They, sent, they called me and said, Hey, we're gonna fly you to LA. I was like, "What the hell? You're gonna fly me to LA? Okay, I'm gonna go for the free trip." Didn't think I was gonna get it. I'm like, "I'm gonna go for the free trip. I'm gonna just go out to LA. Never been there before in my life." I go to LA. I meet the Netflix people. I'm like, "Oh, this is a Netflix show. Okay, cool. Bet." So I, it's not even like audition because it's not like acting. So it's like a just tell us about yourself, your your character, and things like that. And I was like, "Okay, boom, whatever." I meet them. They didn't seem impressed at all. They just looked at me like, "All right, thank you, bye." I go home, whatever, I'm chilling. I get an email that says, like a like a, like a to-do list, like it was you need to pack, da 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 da. I'm like, pack? What the fuck is going on? Like I didn't know what was going on. So then I, I hit him up, I emailed back, like, this is me and I got it. He said, Oh yeah, sorry, we didn't mean to, we meant to call you, but you got it. You gotta leave like in three days to go to London. I was like, dang, like I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know it was on Netflix. I didn't know it was on the, the circle. I didn't know it was gonna be like, I thought it was gonna come out two years from now. They said it's not gonna come out the next year. Like it was crazy, and I went there and I did it. I didn't. I had no intention of being a reality nothing. Like, if you realize like how I'm talking, like I didn't care to be on it, but it was just it just happened. It was cool. So, at what point did you realize before it airs, right? When you're maybe I guess when you're filming and when you're flying, that you like, damn, hold on, like this might be low key a big deal because you were on season one. I'm pretty sure, right? Like, like when did you realize yeah. like, hold on, like this is Netflix, like this is about to be some, this about to, this could be something crazy. When did you? realize that or did it ever hit and then when i said not it hit me it hit me when i got there when i got there because they gave us a bodyguard i was like okay this is just this, this is real like they gave us a bodyguard and we had to like stay in like certain places of the, of the house and netflix has a huge budget so anything i needed i could get like they just gave us a credit card like go crazy every day until we start filming so i could just chill there i would go crazy i would go to eat this place eat this place if i wanted to see a movie or anything i would tell the bodyguard make sure we don't meet each other like other like contestants and like we'll go there, we'll go laser shoot. Like it was, it was fun. Netflix budget's crazy, and they're, they're good people, so it was nice. So, at any point in time when you were kind of, because of course, once you're on a show like this, you can't really guard who sees it. You know, your mom can see it, mm-hmm. your friend from way back right. then that you told a story about on the show could see it, etc. So, were there any moments on the show where you were like watching it back, kind of like an inner cringe going on, like damn, like I should have said that, or damn, my mom is watching this, or just anything that made you kind of like cringe in hindsight? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, now, I mean, I was so young then. I'm like, actually, I'm young then, but I was 24 then. I'm 28 now. I just turned 28. So it was like, I look now, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a totally different person from that. But the, I didn't want to do a show that had like, that would like compromise my integrity. Like, I wasn't going to do no dating show. I wasn't going to do like a, a kissing makeout show. Like, I didn't want to do none of those type shows. This show was perfect for me because we didn't even meet each other. We wasn't like in a house party. And like, it was like, we're in our own apartment away from everyone where I can like, you know, be myself. I didn't want to do no uh, love and hip hop type of idea. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't want to jump in that type of mix because once you get in that mix, you're kind of labeled for that for the rest of your life. Any business or deals you do, it's like, you were just kissing her on love and hip hop or you were just doing this and you was kind of scandalous. You know what I mean? So I didn't want to just jump <laughs> in that lane, but it was Netflix. The, the, the circle was cool because it didn't, it didn't involve that type of stuff. So was it scripted in any way or was it more so whatever happens, happens and they're just there to film? Uh, it was like whatever happens happens. Um, it wasn't scripted at all. Um, they cut. They can cut edit however they want to make it. So it's like it's not scripted, but like you can say something cool, but they won't add it, or they may edit it for like make it look like you said something. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just the it's order, their shows. They can edit order and stuff. Yeah, they can cut it up. Um, that's funny. So, so is that why we didn't see you on the uh, the perfect match? Because I'm seeing all these folks from Netflix, the Circle. <laughs> The uh, yeah. ultimatum, everybody the perfect match. I'm sure you know what I'm saying you could have made your return to TV on that. Nah, they, nah, a few times Netflix uh, called me to do other shows. I I didn't want to do any because it was it was like like those type of shows. So it was a few times MTV, The Challenge, all those type of shows. Like I could have I could have done all of them, but I didn't want to. You know, I didn't want to kind of like put myself in that in that situation. I feel you. I feel you think you. was it was it more so of like a personal branding thing? Like, are you just trying to hold on to that personal brand? If it was trying to hold on to your personal brand so you don't get linked up with something else or you know grouped in by association, was that kind of hard? Because I'm pretty sure you know when it comes to Netflix and MTV, I'm sure they were going to pay you you know X amount of dollars. So mm -hmm. like, what, what was it about you that you felt like no, like you know X amount of money is not worth what my personal brand is? Yeah. I mean, at the time when the, um when everything was done, I hopped into like a, a, a app and everything I created, and it was like I couldn't leave that to go do that because it's like I'm not a musician, I'm not like an actor anymore, so it wouldn't really benefit me to do those things. Nobody's gonna listen to my music. Nobody's gonna listen to my, you know what I mean? Watch me on the game. So like I'm an entrepreneur. So if I'm raising millions of dollars or I'm doing something that involves real money, it's gonna be like kind of before I step in the room, they could already have a bad opinion on me. I didn't want that. You know what I mean? If I'm going to go meet with like a president of a country or, or you know what I mean? Those type of things. The circle was cool because it's you're in your own room. I was young. I was 24. But if I'm over there kissing girls and touching women or you never know who you're going to meet. I could meet a, a woman who is a president of something and she could be like, yo, you over there kissing these girls like a little player. And no, I don't want to meet him. I didn't want that 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 label. It would have been bad. Yeah. Kind of going off of that same that same token, right? Like, you know, there's a lot of things that come with, you know, being on reality TV. Um, were there ever times that you had to kind of check yourself and be like, yo, like, all right, let me remember who I am, you know what I'm saying? And like kind of stick to kind of the, the core values that you kind of have fundamentally, because obviously, you know, even like if you look at the circle, the premise of the show is kind of like you're going in there as somebody else, you know what I'm saying? Like you're kind of talking mm -hmm. stuff like that, but even after the show, people have this image of you, like, oh, that's Antonio from The Circle <laughs> and stuff like that <laughs> on TV. Like, so how do you kind of, I guess, you know, recenter yourself and be like, all right, like now I got to remember who I am. Like, I'm not just a reality TV star and kind of, what, what was that whole process like for you? Man, I got to tell you a crazy story. So 
I mean, when you don't, in your reality TV show, like Alexis, Andrew, if you guys go to a reality TV show today, you guys will be famous tomorrow. Y'all have 100,000 followers. I swear to God, it's crazy. So the followers come, like, every day I was on a show, like, it was just, like, hella followers. So people in my city was recognizing me. I remember the first day I went to the mall after the show, the first people who ever asked me for a picture, these little kids were walking. They said, that's Antonio from The Circle. And I was like, who are you? And then, <laughs> like, I kind of was like, get out of my face, little kids. Like, I'm not taking no picture with you. Because I didn't understand that, like, that part about it. But another thing is, when I was in The Circle, I was still trying to come up. Like, I was still like, mm-hmm. can you hear me? I can. All right, good, good. Yeah. So I was still trying to come up when I was in The Circle. Like, when I came out of The Circle. So, like, Netflix probably paid me, like, I think it was like fifteen hundred to come, and then like fifteen hundred when the first show came out. So only three thousand dollars. Um, but when I was I was trying to build my app, like at the time, so I was trying to build my app and create a real business. So to do that, I had to pay my developers, and it was like five hundred dollars a week. So I had to pay my developers, and I had to pay my rent for my apartment. So at the time, I was doing Uber Eats, right? So it's the worst scenario to do something like that and be on reality TV because every time I deliver to somebody, they recognize me. I swear to God, I knocked on somebody's door one day. The guy was looking at me crazy. He was like, I said, here's your order, sir. Like, take your order. Like, why are you looking at me crazy? He said, baby, it's the boy from the circle here. And I swear <laughs> to God, they came to the door and they tried to take a picture with me. I was like, man, get out of my face. I'm going, I'm going home. Like, it was like a humbling experience in a sense. I mean, me, I, I don't I don't really care, man. I don't, I don't, like, you know what I mean? I was just trying to grind to get what I needed to get. So it was nothing affecting me. But at the time, I was like, on the way home, I was like, damn, like, that's crazy. Like, I gotta chill. I'm gonna put a mask on. COVID came, so I put a mask on so people stopped recognizing me. But that's what it was, man. That was like the first year of my reality TV show experience. Damn, so you ain't flick up with him? You, you shut the door in? <laughs> Peace nah, out? Nah, not them. Nah, they was, nah, he was like weird a little bit. Like, I was like, nah, I can't do that. Like, <laughs> there's one girl I took a flick with. She was a little, little girl. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. I just let you fool. I don't care. <laughs> damn. Um, that's that's crazy, man. So like, um, how do you? You gotta think- be humble though. Like, facts. facts. People wouldn't people wouldn't do that. Like, I had to do that. Like, I was I was it was no, like I'm not like some people. Some people have more pride than money. Like, they don't want to do little things because they feel like it's gonna affect how they look. And I I really didn't care. I was just trying to trying to get to where I needed to go. Right, right. So like, you know, how has how do you think being on the show? um has affected your brand like you know in a positive or negative way like hey do you think you know being on the show has obviously like you mentioned you know got hundred thousand followers they give you this huge platform so do you think that being on the show has kind of helped you as an entrepreneur um and just kind of i guess in what ways do you think just being on the show has contributed to your to your brand overall yeah absolutely absolutely helped me um it kind of propelled me in a spotlight i think that um me being on the show kind of and me not making a fool of myself on the show kind of just put me in the spotlight as in where I, I'm, I'm already an entrepreneur, but this is a bonus. Uh, he was already on Netflix. He was already, you know, great however they might want to take it. Like he was already, he's already a public figure. So not only is he an entrepreneur, but he knows how to, you know, be in the public's eye. Like he's already been there. He's already done that. This stuff, new stuff doesn't impress him. Like he's not impressed with making Forbes. So let's put him on the front cover. Little things like that. So I think that kind of helped me in that sense. Did you always know that you wanted to, take the entrepreneur route because I mean I know usually you know we go to college these four-year schools to get you know some six-figure corporate job or whatever so at what point did you know you didn't want to take that route but instead you wanted to kind of do your own thing 
Yeah, I wanted to. Um, I don't know. I, when I was in college, when I was a kid, I I, I sold candy to to kind of pay for my my AAU because my mother couldn't afford it. Um, so I was like twelve years old, just selling candy, but I didn't know. I didn't think nothing of it. I was just like, "Yo, I'm here selling Starburst. Y'all take it. Give me a dollar. Take it back to my mom. We're gonna get some new sneakers." That's kind of how I thought. That was my first introduction to being an entrepreneur, and um, I never thought nothing of it. I remember like just just trying to make. I had to figure out ways to make money. Like I did everything to make money. Like you can name it. Like I everything. Like think between the lines. I've done everything. Like just to make some money. Like I even sold. Like here's a crazy thing I did. Like when I was like in the midst of making the app. I would order controllers from AliExpress, like PS4 controllers, and I would get them shipped to me, and I would resell them on eBay. They were clearly fake as hell. I don't know why they bought them, but I resell them on eBay, so I'll make like two thousand, three thousand dollars a shipment. Sometimes the shipments would get taken because they're they're like they're like quote unquote fake. But like I was doing anything to make money to be an entrepreneur. Like I didn't care what it was at the time. Like I had to I had to like you know what I mean. Like you kind of think of the ways to pay for these apps and pay for these be staff. So I was trying to do anything to just make out of the situation I was in. Go get her. Go get her. Um, last question I'll ask kind of on the reality TV stuff before we kind of flip it to the entrepreneurship side. Um, a lot of people that go on reality TV or come off reality TV, you know, they talk about kind of this overnight fame that that, that they achieve. And they talk about, you know, all right, so it's cool, right? When you, in theory, you got 500,000 followers. Everybody know you. You're getting all these brand deals and stuff like that. But there's also a negative side that comes with that, right? With being in the public eye, with being on TV and having people scrutinize your every move, with having your life changed to where you can't necessarily just go take a stroll in the in downtown and maybe hold hands with a girl because now it's going to be, oh, so-and-so from Netflix was seen with so-and-so, right? Like, can I talk about, I guess, that side of it? If you've experienced anything like that, um, kind of the mental health aspect of it, do you feel like, you know, being in the spotlight now and having to adjust to overnight fame has affected you mentally in any way? Um, and if if so, kind of in what ways? And if not, you know, how do you think you were able to kind of adjust to that being thrust into that spotlight so quickly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, 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 the overnight reality thing, like getting, being famous is real. Like you'll wake up and everybody will know who you are. I'm not even a lot. I really was on the show. January 1st, it came out, 2020. By February 1st, 2020, I had over 100,000 followers, and I could go anywhere. Everybody knew me. Now nobody cares about me. I go anywhere. Nobody knows who I am. So that, it's all, it dies down fast, guys. I'm not going to lie. After the first year, it was over. So that's why you see a lot of guys that kind of want to do jump on a dungeon reality TV show because they like to relive that that that, that excitement, that hype. And it's cool. I mean, I I, I loved it. But, you know, you'll see, it, you'll see it a lot, man. You'll see, like, a lot of guys just keep jumping from reality TV reality because that's kind of, like, keeping them alive. And it, and it makes sense. But. Me personally, I didn't want to do that. Kind of to Andrew's point a little bit when he was saying like, you know, being, you know, somebody taking a picture of you if you're out with a girl or something like that. And even just, you know, how, you know, girls might not be paying attention to someone, but now they get drafted and all of a sudden, you know, they're just, <laughs> et cetera. So like, has there been a time where like, you know, someone that you might've tried to talk to in the past and now they're trying to, you know, double back or spin the block or just someone that, you know, you were like, you know, didn't you look right past me but now i'm on the circle or now i have this app or now i have 100k and now all of a sudden i'm at the top of your list has that happened to you at all yeah 100 percent that happened. It happened to me a few times it definitely happened it definitely happens like <laughs> it happened a lot like i ain't gonna lie it happened a lot and it was it was a it was a good experience like to be able to just tell them no but you know it, it happened it happened for sure 
Hey man, no use. Ain't no U-turns, baby. Nah, bro, you can't you can't go back, you know. It just it just is what it is. Gotta stand on that, baby. Um, nah, that's that's dope, man. Um, so kind of switching gears a little bit to the entrepreneurship side, man. So I've been kind of following what you've been doing from an entrepreneurship standpoint for a little bit. You know, when you first started the overseas basketball connection app, you know what I'm saying? And uh obviously now you've recently rebranded to uh the, the scouts app. So kind of number one. Before we kind of get into, you know, actually the the Scouts app and things like that, um, talk about just the inspiration to start Overseas Basketball Connection. Um, where did that idea come from? And, you know, I guess what made you, I guess, jump and be like, yeah, like, I need to, you know, make it into a whole app and a, a business behind it. All right. Are you guys are you guys entrepreneurs? Do you guys have, like, own businesses? This is my business. All Facts, All Facts Media is, is my, my baby my business. There you go. What about you, Alexis? No, I don't. Um, I'm kind of more so sticking to the script. Um, I definitely do, you know, applaud people that, you know, do their own thing. But usually most of the stuff that I'm into kind of falls into, I guess you could say something that already exists, I guess, lucky in mm -hmm. some sense. Um, but yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfect. That's perfect. Especially being a woman. You know, sometimes it can get hard. So I, I applaud all women. I think everyone's a hustler as long as they got a job. You know what I mean? Because you got to get up every morning, right? And go, so, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I started overseas connection, overseas basketball connection because one, I love travel, and then two, I love basketball. So I want everybody to experience that 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 love. You know what I mean, Andrew? I'm pretty sure you know, like, it's a different feeling to travel on someone else's dime, <laughs> like like to go to Portugal and live there and not have to worry about nothing. Granted, you may not be getting paid thousands of thousands of dollars, but just the fact that you get to experience something so unique that no one else gets to experience is is beautiful. So I tried to create something like that. Um, the market was there, so I created it. Um, but now I, I created, I, I kind of rebranded um, to Scouts app because um, I want to tackle on something even bigger. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a bigger problem than just men's basketball players trying to get overseas. You know what I mean? There's women's basketball players. There's players trying to go to college. There's players, underrepresented players in in UK and Africa and Portugal that want to go to American colleges. So Scouts app now is for high school, college, and professional athletes. And I'm um, trying to create like a LinkedIn for sports. So coaches can go on there. They connect with each other. Athletes can go on there to connect with each other. Um, it's not only for basketball players now. It's for basketball, soccer, and volleyball players. Um, so I kind of made it for everybody. Um, and we're also, uh, yeah, sorry. We're, in the summer, we're going to be adding the NIL marketplace. So we're trying to get into that space as well. So kind of took it from just overseas basketball app to like a, to like a LinkedIn for sports, like I said. So I think that's, that's like the way we're going. So you you mentioned NIL marketplace and kind of exploring that and creating more opportunities. Do mm. you think it's something, you know, of course, kind of going back to what we were talking about with college students not necessarily being financially supported? And I'm sure, you know, NIL can now aid to that. But do you think there is some of the fun competitive elements now missing because we have NIL, certain people picking certain teams, going with certain coaches because they know that they're going to get X amount of NIL versus going to a team where they are going to be competitive and actually add to a conference. Do you think there's a difference there or is NIL like 100% good? I think that, I think it's about the player. I think it's about what the player wants. Every player had different situations. I know there's, I know some players who are in dire situations that had nothing back home. Who need to provide early? I know players that just that have that support from their mother and their father, who want to go win. You know what I mean? So I think that this puts the power back in the players' hands because, at the end of the day, they're all eighteen. They're not kids. You know, these kids are growing up early now with TikTok, so they they know what they're doing. Um, 
So I think they're it's the 18 year old thing. So I think they can all like make the decision. You know, if you want to make, if I want to go to Kentucky because I feel as though I can make money there, and the coach wants to offer me a scholarship, I don't see no reason being for for the for the player. But if I want to go to UNC and I want to go win rather than go to Kentucky, then I don't think there's a problem in that sense either. So it just gives the power back to the player, and um, I'm all for that. So kind of in this new journey with Scouts at, right, like rebranding from overseas basketball connection and stepping into this new lane, um, what are some of the challenges with, I guess, now you're stepping into a much bigger arena, right? Because before it's kind of like you can kind of streamline it. All right, bet overseas. I know you have athletes that are trying to get jobs, so we're going to try to plug you with teams. Now you're stepping into an arena where you're dealing with high school athletes, college athletes, men's, women's sports. You're dealing with NIL, which is a whole completely separate animal, man. I've... Mm-hmm. I've, like I said, because of all facts, I've been involved in the college space as well and being able to kind of see the the effect NIL has, has had on the recruiting in general, you know, in college sports. So I guess now for you, how are you adjusting to, I guess, this broader net that you're now a part of, you know, with, with the Scouts app? And I guess um, I guess what are some of the challenges with, with or differences between what you were doing before and then what you're doing now? Um, well, through running some tests, man, I figured out that there's a bigger pain point. You know what I mean? I figured out that there are the market for overseas basketball men's is relatively small compared to what I'm opening it up to. So there's only but so much things you can do in that space. Um, so I kind of I'm keeping up with the with the professional side of it, but I want to be with the athlete journey from high school to college, also to the pros. Like I want to be with, the, with them the whole journey. So for high school players, I want to help them get to college. Boom, that's the first step. High school, NIL, NIL and college. Get them to those colleges. When they're in college, I want to help them if they want to transfer. The transfer portal is huge right now. Everyone's transferring. So what if we connect them, everyone in the transfer portal, to a new school? You know what I mean? So the transfer portal is open for that and the NIL. And then pros, obviously, we can be a virtual sports agent where we can help them sign deals, also be on their contract negotiations, and we can also, you know, help them find a team. You know, we just added a, a thing, man, where you're going to see when we update the app, you should get on there. It actually, um, based on what you what you put in your app, you can um, it'll actually find you a team, like it'll match you a team overseas, like based on your film, based on your your points per game, it'll match you. Like, so for example, if you put your stuff in there, it'll match you with uh, FC Porto or somebody. Like, you'll have them have their cousin information, have everything. It's like a an AI. Like, it's kind of like we're kind of like making AI for sports where you can just upload your film and it'll find you the team that matches. So when you we're kind of thinking about, okay, this is where I'm at with the app now. This is where I want it to be. And this is kind of the plan that I'm drawing up to get there. Was it just kind of, I know you also mentioned having developers um, as, as far as on the tech side, but when it came to just curating ideas, was it just you sitting at home, kind of making bullet points with your ideas? Was it you kind of collaborating with other people and kind of taking little nuggets from those conversations and turning them into the app? How did that kind of, I guess you could say your creative process go? Oh man, it was just a lot of fighting with myself. You know, I had to, um, I was thinking about it. Like, I just be in my room, just thinking about, you know, what, what I want to do. Like as if I was an athlete, what would I want to see? What would I want? How could I help myself? You know what I mean? So that was, that took a long time. You know, sometimes you're fighting yourself because sometimes stuff don't work out the way you think it is. You know what I mean? I had to fire developers. I had developers run off on me with money. I, I really worked hard for I had to learn how to code a little bit myself. So things don't always go your way, but it just, it just kind of guides you. You know what I mean? So it was tough at first. I'm not going to say a lot to you. The beginning was very, very hard. Um, but then I built the team and then we, we we got to it. So this is my question. When it comes to Scouts app, right, and you just mentioned it just now, right, talking about, all right, if I was to get on the app and make a profile and match, you know, with a team, right, 
what's that next step? Because as you know, right, OC's basketball is very traditional and old school, right? You got an agent. Mm -hmm. These agents have gone in relationships with teams over years to where certain teams might have a relationship where they might get a player from an agency every single year, right? Same thing with coaches, like very political. Like a lot of times, you know, teams are used to dealing with certain guys, certain players, certain agents. So how are you as a new app, a new business trying to come in and say, hey, like instead of you guys and these teams dealing with these agents, come in and arrest it for this app. And like, how do you think, what is the experience like getting teams to kind of warm up to that idea? Because obviously just mm -hmm. from being overseas, they're like, I don't know if I'm going to trust this guy on that I met on this app that i never seen before, right? So, like, how are yeah, you pitching that to teams or or to be like, yo, this is a way that you can actually find legit players and get away from the whole agent thing and trying to, like, I guess, break into that? I think the hardest part is actually being able to be like, all right, I can go on this app and actually find the job with the team as opposed to, all right, you know, these teams are just going to ignore my feeling that I post on here anyways. Like, how you've been able to kind of navigate that challenge? Yeah, um, yeah, these teams, they, they, they are right. They're very traditional. What I've managed to do is I try so many things to try to get them to, to, to kind of just sign players. Like, at first, I was trying to, like, if you sign a player, we pay for the flight. That was, like, my first real end. Right. After a while, it got expensive as hell, as you can see. <laughs> so, yeah, so we were going to go outside with it. We had to pay for the flight, so it was crazy. I remember one season, I even paid for a player's salary the whole way through. Damn. Yeah, it was bad. Like, we were trying our, everything to try to get them. But it was, like, just testing things. You know, the goal was to get guys signed. Right. Once I get guys signed, I can show that I can get guys signed. So that was, like, the early days. Now, I mean, when we do in meetings, we, we kind of can tell them, like, most of the coaches we, we that we have on the app, the more younger coaches, like in their thirties, you know, no, 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 never over like 45. They're younger guys who understand technology, but they use our app mainly for the database. Like they have, we have a huge database of players from all around the world. So they need to go get a, I mean, you know, there's like a African passport player or something like that. They could don't have to go call around a bunch of people, text around. They could just, okay, let's go find someone, 610 African player. Boom. He's right here. There's a bunch of list of them. I can contact them right now. So that's the convenience we have using the app. So we it was still in work trying to get more coaches, but the pros is harder than the college. Because right. college, I can speak English. I can talk to anybody. Right. You know, if you, sometimes, you know, coach, they don't speak English. So I had to get somebody to speak French to them, talk to them in Spanish. I can speak Portuguese, but you know, I can I can um I need somebody to speak Spanish, French, you know, Russian, like things like that. But college is easy. Let's pick up a phone. Yo, how you doing, man? I played at Lincoln University. How you doing, Bowie State? Um, yeah, I had this new app. I partnered with the CIAA. I partnered with the MEAC. I went to Delaware State. Like, you know, it's just a conversation. You know, it's a mutual thing. So college, I think, is going to be a no-brainer. I already dealt with the hard shit, talking to Spanish coaches and, and, and Portuguese coaches. Like, that was tough. How do you go convince – how do you convince a European guy, being an American, that you should use my app? I managed to do that. So I think college is going to be an easy no-brainer. So I'm just waiting for that. Um. What do you think, I guess, because you talk about some of the crazy stories that you've had trying to get players signed, paying for flights, paying for salaries. When you look back on, I guess, the overseas basketball connection days, like what is, I guess, some of your, if you could share a story, right, or some of your proudest, like, damn, I got this dude signed, like, you know what I'm saying, or I got a guy a job here, like, through the app, like, you know, what would you say is, like, mm -hmm. I, I guess, one of your proudest, I guess, you know, you know, triumph stories or, like, ones that, 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 that you're really proud of? Um... I do. I got guys. I get guys signed a lot of different ways. Like this summer, I'm proud of this guy. I got signed named Jamie Silver. I think it's, man, I think I'm messing his last name up. Savior, Savior, Server. I was gonna say Server. 
Um, he came to one of my tryouts at a combine one time. He's always been on the app, but he came to a combine, didn't get signed. And then he actually came to, I invited him to come to Europe to play like a little tour. And the guy, he never played college, never just over, always overlooked, 6'3 guard, but he jumps out the gym. So he got signed to a team in Cora in Portugal. It's like CN1 division. But it was like a good look because he'd been through a lot. He's from Chicago and he'd been through a lot. So to see his dreams come true and see how happy he was, wasn't a lot of money, but to see how happy he was to fulfill a dream, it just made all the difference, man. I felt like, okay, this is worth it. I got to keep going. That's love. That's love. So kind of fast forward a little bit, getting the Forbes 30 under 30, how did that kind of go? Was it more so, you know, a representative from Forbes reaches out to you or is it a, you know, hey, we're doing a worldwide search for who we want to include, submit your stuff here. How did that go? Yeah, so I do a lot of things in Africa. So I'm, I live in Africa most of the time. Um, a country called Cape Verde. If you ever want to go to Africa, come to Cape Verde. Y'all can stay in one of my Airbnbs. I got you guys. It's like the Hawaii of Africa. It's islands. Being in Portugal, man, listen, and uh, I, I was in Abu Farah in the south of Portugal. So, uh-huh. man, it's a, first of all, it's a bunch of Cape Verdeans in Portugal. Yeah. And, uh, man, one of my team. Oh, matter of fact, you know my, my teammate, my man, Kevin. Shane. Um, Kevin, oh, Kevin, uh, Kevin, oh, Kevin, Kevin, oh, Big Kevin, Big Kevin, yeah, Big Kevin, he yeah, Cape he's Verde, like, he's killing for Porto right now. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about the about the Cape Verde, man. I I got that on my list for sure. You know what I'm saying? I I got, yeah, I got to get Kevin's out. Nice. Man. Yeah, Kevin's gotten better, man. I, I really like his game now. He's gotten so much better than what he used to be. Like he's tougher. He starts, he plays Euro Cup, so he's he's really really showing his game a lot. Exactly. And it's good because he has a daughter. Yeah, got got to go hard for the fam. You know what I'm saying? I I ain't mean to cut you off, man. I had to just throw. So, you know what I'm saying? Give y'all some flowers, though, Cape Verde. You know what I'm saying? So my, so yeah, my 100%. Place. You guys, you know, if y'all come to Africa, you know, I, I'm, I do a lot of things in Africa. So we're building schools, building the gym. You know what I mean? I have a professional basketball league I run there every summer. Um, but, you know, um, I think I drove. What was the question again? <laughs> oh, just about um, 30, um, Forbes 30, under 30. How oh, yeah, yeah. About, was it more so Forbes representative reaching out to you or was it more so they, you saw something about them putting about a worldwide search and you, submitted your materials to them. How did that mm-hmm. kind of go? Yeah, so Forbes does one for every continent almost. So they have the USA one, Europe one, the Africa one. I think there's like the Asia one too. But um, I made the Africa list, you know what I mean? Because I, I do a lot of stuff in Africa. I'm a citizen in Africa, um, in Cape Verde particularly. Um, so yeah, so somebody nominated me for the things I was doing. Um, they sent me an email. I submitted documents, like bank statements, proof of business. You got to send everything in. Recommendation letters. Sent it all in. I didn't think I was going to get a Forbes list. I, like, I was like, do I, I even, should I even be on that list? Like, I was 25, 26 at the time. And then they they hit me up and said, I got it. I remember it was like April 13th, 2021. Yep, 2021, two years ago. They sent me an email, said congrats. I got the email to this day in my phone in my favorites. Like, it was amazing. Like, I was like, yo, like, it was like a dream come true. Like, everyone's been a Forbes under 30 list. So it was a dream come true. Um yeah, it was. It's like unexplainable, you know what I mean? Because I was on my vision board like a year ago before I got it. Then I ended up getting it, so it was super, super, super cool. And then to be on the front cover was even better. On the front cover of the, of the magazine, so it was, it was nice. So when it comes to um, you know, the other twenty nine people on the list, have you mm-hmm. been able to network with them at all, or has any business, or even not even if any business hasn't come out of it, just any real conversations that you can leverage in your own life come from networking with the other 29 people that were on that list? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, I mean, I did the, you, you get to go to the, so when you're a forced lister, you're put in a group chat. 
So you're in a group chat, you can kind of, you know, finagle your way in any situation, you know, everybody knows everybody. Uh, you get intros to investors, things like that. Um, so we got something called the 30 Under 30 Summit. And they do them all over the world. Like you got Europe's, Asia, like they're super, super lit. You guys need to go to the 30 Under 30 Summit. You can go to any summit for free if you're, under, if you're a lister. So you get, you get to go for free and you get to bring one person with you. And the one we had in Africa was super lit last year because they gave you like a free private flight to like another place. Damn. So like, like you get little benefits like that. So like it was, it was mad dope, bro. I'm not going to lie. And you meet like-minded individuals. So even if you like Lex, you don't own the business, but you'll meet a lot of people that are in your space that, you know, are like-minded like you. So it's a good way to connect with people. They're all young, all under 30, even people that are older than 30. Like it doesn't even matter. Like they're still there to connect. And it's like a great being in that being in that circle is, is is really really great. It's really really nice to be honest. Hey man, let me let me be like <coughs> one next summer you go. You know what I'm saying? Tap me in, man. You know they got one next summer, man. I, I I mean not next summer in April actually. I don't know if I'm gonna go, but yeah, I want to hey, go. Maybe, maybe I go. In, you know what I'm saying? We outside. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, what has been? I guess you mentioned like I guess you know being in the group chat, right, and being able to kind of you one phone call away from everybody. I guess. What do you think has been the best thing or the most the, the coolest thing or the most surprising thing to be able to come from uh the the being on the Forbes 30 under 30 list? Um it's 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 really good. Um as far as like the 30 under 30 list doesn't mean anything in the sense of like it's not gonna make your business go crazy. Let's be honest. Like it's a title, but that title kind of kind of validates, you know what I mean, you to the world, you know what I mean? It's like having a blue check. You know, it just validates you. You know what I mean? So if I can talk to any investor, I could probably, like right now I'm raising money for, for scouts, raising like 2.5 million. And when I, when I talk to an investor, just putting that on fourth 30 to 30 kind of gets me in the door without getting an intro, if that makes sense. Like he's like, okay, maybe he's in the 30, he's in the fourth list. Maybe he might have something good. Maybe I should give him that one call, that one meeting. So I think that's where it kind of pulls, like pulls your, like your card. But other than that, you know, it's just, it's just a title. All right. Um, so I want to circle back a little bit because you just said something that I feel like is is I don't want to gloss over for the people who are listening to this. You're talking about right now you're in the process of raising $2.5 million for the app, right? What does that actually look like? Like, how does one actually go about raising $2.5 million for an app? Because, you know, for me, like I'm, you know, obviously an athlete myself and I'm I'm doing this thing with all facts media. I've never I haven't even opened up the process to like starting to get gain money for it or anything like that. Like I'm still kind of just trying to grow the, the following, you know, get our presence out there on social media out there and stuff like that. So what is the process of actually trying to get investors for a business and like the kind of things behind the scenes that cause I feel like in tech society, man, and this is mm-hmm. the one thing I hate about Twitter and just social media, everybody, you know, LLC Twitter, oh, you can start a business and make an yeah. LLC for this amount of money. And it's like, bro, it ain't that easy, bro. Okay, I got an LLC, but now I don't got no bread. I don't have a business, you know what I'm saying? So like, <laughs> what is that process to actually bet I'm about to go and raise $2.5 million for this app and for this business? Yeah, yeah, less than 1% of, of it's called venture capital money. It's like, it's like the investor's money. Is less than 1% goes to black people. Let's be honest. So like most of the money is not even billions. I'm talking about billions and billions of dollars. It's not going to black. It's going to white people. Let's be completely honest about the facts. Um, so right now we're raising 2.5. I think that you should you should build your build your media brand up and go raise. If you look at brands like Overtime, Overtime just raised a hundred million dollars. Overtime, a hundred million. Those guys. Crazy. They're not, and they're not black. They're white. <laughs> like they're they're white. They're some white guys, man. To be completely honest. If you look at um, Just Women Sports, another media brand, 
they raised, I don't know, like maybe like 10 million, a, a thing called Blavity just raised their media brand. And there, there are a lot of people investing in media brands because uh, the whole world runs off media nowadays. Right. So what you're doing is perfect for raising, you know what I mean? Just build it up, build the brand, build a community behind it. That's big. You got to build a community behind it. And I think you can raise too. What I'm raising is for is like a sport tech. I'm trying to raise um, the 2.5 to to big to build a bigger team, you know, develop the product more. Um, you know, I'm, I'm jumping in a huge space and I, I can't go in it without money. You know what I mean? People are already in the NIL market. So if you compete with them, I need some capital. So that's kind of what I wanted to raise. Um, and that's that's just this is what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Right. But nobody what, teaches you this. What does that look like, though? Are you like, do you are you reaching out to people like sending to me like, hey, like, can we get X amount of money? Do you like what does that process yeah. like and actually trying to raise the money? Are you like approaching, you know, these investors? Like, How does that how does that process work? Where do you start? Yeah. So, so, I mean, right now, I mean, I get intros. So like I, I can talk to like other founders. So I kind of made a list of like all the venture capitals that invest in my sector, which is sports, which is community, which is consumer, which is mobile. And um, I make a list of those people. So I have like a list of like hundreds and I, I find founders that are connected to these that they invested in previously. And I connect with the founders, you know, I have a blue check on Instagram. So I just DM them like, Hey, you know, I'm a founder. I need some advice, you know, on raising, you see you raise this much money. Can you meet me for like 10 minutes? Meet with these people for 10 minutes. After a while, I say, you know, not immediately, you know, don't ask for nothing immediately. Like in a week later, I hit him up like, hey, thanks for the call again. Um, I know you're invest so-and-so invested in you. Can you intro me to this investor? Which means they just send an email saying, hey, you know, I see you invested in overtime in this. Um, you know, we're building something very, very similar. Um, you know, we're raising 1.5 or 2.5 million. Are you free for a quick chat? And that's usually how it goes, man. You just got to. You kind of got to find your way to, you know, to get into those circles, you know, because yeah. at the end of the day, this, that's like Silicon Valley, San Francisco guys who like don't know nothing about our culture. Like, but if you can get it, it's not impossible to raise money as a black man. You know, I know guys killing it right now, so you can just go get it. But the process is real hard. It's real long. You know what I mean? Pause. But, you know what I mean? You got to start. Like I started like in November and it's been going, it's been going pretty good, man. Just, just, just raising, meeting new people. I'm trying to get some NBA players on the on the cap table, which is like the investor sheet. And um, yeah, bro, you just gotta keep going. That's dope. That's dope, man. Listen, this is this is real gems for the folks listening right now, man. I hope y'all nah, got bro, I didn't I didn't know, know nothing about racism this time last year, bro. I didn't know nothing about it. Like I feel like the black community, we talk about LLCs and real estate and wholesaling and all this shit, but nobody talks about the real thing. These companies, these 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 white people, people um, they're they're raising money. They're raising money before you even have a product. That's real. That's for real. It's really, I'm being completely honest. Like, founders I've talked to, I've seen guys that say they've raised like $3 million. I'm like, oh, yeah, so how much revenue do you have? They're like, revenue? We didn't even make money yet. Like, I'm like, how are you guys raising so much money? Like, if I was to do that without making money, they would second guess me. You know what I mean? To be quite honest with you. But, um, but you know, it's just the law of the game, man. You just got to keep going. Man, I think, but I think that the, the, the fact that we even having this conversation is super important, man, because like literally even, Talking about me right now, I feel like I'm trying to build a business and build a brand, right? And I'm I feel like sometimes I'll even second guess myself, be like, all right, well, I haven't monetized all facts media yet, right? We have this, we have mm -hmm. a loyal following on you know Instagram or social media, YouTube, people that type in our stuff. I'm like, well, I haven't monetized it, so I'm not gonna reach out to the investors because I haven't made any money, right? But just mm -hmm. hearing that for me is like, damn, yo, you could raise money without being able to, I guess, monetize your platform. Or I know we have something good and something special. The convos that we're having on here is literally like, you know, groundbreaking conversations. But it's like, I feel like we put limits on ourselves because it's like, damn, like, I don't really know. But 
you see white people who, like you said, man, going out and raising this money and it's like that, you know? So um, mm-hmm. just having this conversation has, has given me a different perspective and a different, you know, approach to, I guess, one to, to, I guess, you know, run my own business, you know what I'm saying? And I think, mm-hmm. um, I think that's, 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 that's really, you know, some, some special, man, I guess for you, I know, um, on that same token, right. When you're talking about just building this app and going through the, the, the behind the scenes steps of like building that foundation and getting the money and things like that. What do you want to see as like the long term? you know, if you could be like, all right, 10 years from now, this is what Scouts app looks like, right? You know, what does that look right. like? What kind of impact do you want to be able to have on the basketball landscape? Um, I want to have a huge impact on the basketball landscape, but I also want to open it up to, like I said, other sports. I want this to be like the the main recruiting app. Like, you know how people use LinkedIn to get their, like, you know, find a professional identity? Yeah. I want Scouts app to be like somewhere where athletes find their athletic identity. I want it to be like, yo, if you don't have Scouts app and you're doing, and you're going through the recruiting process, I want them to look at you crazy. You know what I mean? I want this to be like very recruit focused. Like it's, it's, it's crazy because everything is becoming simplified and automated. So I think something like this right now is a perfect time to build it because the power is in the athlete's hand right now with NIL going on and everything going on with the athlete, even the job situation. It's like, yeah, he did that, but the power is really in John's hands. He just got $200 million extension starts next year. So the power right now is very much in the athlete's hand with all the money we're getting, the decisions we can make. I think that's only the best time. Now, even when we were, like, Andrew, like, when we was growing up, we was in high school, there was no platform for us to go find find coaches, and there's nothing like that. We yeah. had to go to AU Circuit, we had to go get exposure, hoop group. There was, no, there was no platform for us to do it. No real platform. Like, you know what I mean? That I can go and find a school. Like, I think that is dope if we can have, like, a platform where, like, a serious platform. Not no games where I'm going to find a Division three or JUCO. Like, I mean, like, real coaches are really on there looking for players. And that's what I'm trying to build, man. And that's where I see it going. That's love. That's love. Um, last question I had before we get into some match and mismatch stuff a little bit, you know, the more lighter hearted stuff, man. I want to talk about just, you know, basketball in Africa, man, because if you look at the NBA, right, you got the Pascal Siakams, the Joel Embiid's, you know, Chris Boucher's of the world, a bunch of guys in Africa that are doing, you know, amazing things and stuff. But the basketball, there aren't many leagues in Africa, right? When you look at overseas Mm. basketball, everybody thinks about Europe and EuroLeague and you got Asia. South America even has, you know, Argentina has great leagues and things like that. But there isn't much basketball presence from a pro standpoint in Africa. Obviously, now they have the Basketball Africa League. You have your Africa Next League as well. Um, but, like, number I guess it's a two-part question. Number one, like, why do you think it's taking so long for professional basketball to become, like, more of an established thing in Africa? That's the first part of the question. And then number two, um, what do you think, you know, the Basketball Africa League and then the league that, that you're also running um, that, that you have in Africa – what do you think that that can do to kind of help improve the the professional basketball landscape in Africa, you know, for kids that want to, you know, play the game? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, I think the the state of basketball in Africa is in a good hand, stands right now. Um, but you got to think about a lot of these African countries, they just got independence, you know what I mean, from, you know, the European countries, not less than 100 years ago. I know uh, Cape Verde got it in 19, I think 1975, might be wrong, but that's like 50 years ago. Like, these guys were literally other countries. Like, you know what I mean? They're all so fresh, so new. So basketball was the last thing they're worried about. They're worried about their currency. They're worried about, you know, GDP. They're worried about tourism. They're worried about those things. So if you look at, like, basketball, you know what I mean? Basketball has been here since, like, maybe the 50s. We started the NBA or the ABA. 
And, um, you know, we have a long way to go in basketball here. You know, we just started the ball, the BAL, like two, three years ago. So we have such a long way to go with basketball. But creating new leagues, and I see, you know, how, how the development is going, it's going to be crazy. There's a crazy stat right now, bro. They say by 2040, one in every three NBA players is going to be African. That's a crazy stat. Yes, it was crazy. I was like, I saw it. I was like, what? How? But it's because the, the population of Africa is so crazy. Like, like I think we have, like, in the whole continent, I think it's, like, 10 times more people than uh, than America right now. Like, I think it was crazy. Like, the continent, the, the, and 70% of Africans are, well, you didn't know how many people, you know, Nigeria alone has as many people as America. The whole United States of America? Uh, yes, bro. What? Nigeria, the one little country in Africa, has, like, 300 million people. There's billions of people in in Africa, bro. And 75% of them are under the age of 30. Like, they're all kids. That's crazy. So imagine when those kids grow up. Like, they're going to know all the technology we know now and all the TikToks. And these kids are going to be our, lo- our leaders. So I think that Africa's in a great stance. Um, there's a huge wave going to Africa. Everyone's going back. So imagine in 20, 30 years, bro. I think it's going to be crazy. I think the next generation is going to really take it farther than um, – I'm talking like I'm I'm like 40, 50 years old, but like like the next generation is gonna take it farther, man. I think that when we get to power, it's gonna be a whole different story, man. So basketball's going good, but I was talking, I kind of went off and talked about like just Africa in general, but basketball's in good hands, man. Man, that's so what would you kind of say? Because you know, a lot of times people are kind of ignorant when it comes to Africa. They have like their mm-hmm. own stereotype of what it is, you know, deserts, lions, and tigers. When it's really not that at all. <laughs> are like pretty ignorant i know seriously like people that's what they think like you know they think national geographic is all africa is they don't realize all mm-hmm. this infrastructure that's going on they don't realize you know it's it's a it's a regular working country just like you know anywhere else so what would you say people can do to kind of better educate themselves when they are like let's say like they get the chance to participate in a conversation like this or mm-hmm. you know kind of dispel a stereotype that might be happening in a conversation six degrees over. What do you think are some things people can do to kind of better educate themselves with what is going over there, especially someone that's African-American because they try to, you know, separate the two. Like, oh, no, I'm not African. I'm African-American. But it's like, well, no, no, let's not, you know, exclude the first part. So what do you think are some things that people can do to kind of just better, not, not even get into tap, tap in with it, but just better educate themselves with what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I, I don't blame people because I was like that when I was a kid. You know, I'm, I'm from African parents, born parents. I was the first generation American, me and my mother, my brother and sister. So I was like that, bro. I went to school. People were calling people African booty scratchers. I was joining with them. I was like, African booty scratcher, African booty scratcher. I didn't know. I didn't even know myself. I'm African. I didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know, like, like my roots i knew i was african i knew i had my family we eat african food we we, we, we were 100 african but i didn't like there was an ignorance part of me when i was a kid because i saw everyone else do it and um as i grew up you know i don't blame these kids because it's not taught in school you know what i mean you can't you can't blame someone who's not taught kids don't grow up with hate kids don't grow up it's just not taught certain things you know i mean so that if, if we had more of a focus of what africa is africa is one of the greatest continents in the world it is the greatest continent in the world we have all the natural resources. Do we teach them that? No, we don't. We don't teach them that Africans, you know, is one of the most populated continents in the in the world. We don't teach them that. All the diamonds, gold, oil, gas comes from Africa. We don't teach them these things. And they don't even teach them that most of the billionaires, the black billionaires are in Africa. All of them. Just make, who who's in America? Tyler Perry, Oprah, and Jay-Z? That's it. All the rest of them are in Africa. So there's a lot of, there's this rich, there's money in Africa. I'll just put it like that. 
and everyone's getting rich in Africa. If you really, really want to, if you take a look, a deeper look, it's getting, it's getting crazy right now in Africa. So I would say, guys, if you really want to learn, just pick a country and just learn about it and probably visit it because you'll see so many things. It's not like America. Like America is always going to be like the greatest in the sense of convenience. I can go to Uber Eats, Globo, anything. I can, you know, I know where I'm going. I'm going to Walmart. I know what I'm going to get out of that store. But, you know, Africa is, is amazing. Man. You guys got to go. Go to Egypt, Morocco, Angola. South Africa is huge. I love South Africa. Um, Nigeria is nice. But Cape Verde, I got to come to Cape Verde. You want those beach vibes with the palm trees and all that stuff you can post on Instagram? Come to Cape Verde. Not post on Instagram. Man, listen, I got I got a bucket list. Morocco is on my bucket list too, because I was, you know, as you know, like Morocco is right below Portugal. So you could really get there. So like yeah. quick little flight. So I'm like, man, Morocco, Cape Verde, all them countries. I was like, man, I gotta go. It's on my list, man. It's on my list for sure. And we party, man. We party OD. Like we party crazy. Like if you like the vibes, like good drinks, parties, weather, warm all year round. That's why I live there, man. I got beach views. It's cheap. Like it's amazing, bro. Like I would like if you want to focus, like come to Africa, bro. You're gonna have your Africa default. Sometimes stuff be going wrong. Power goes out sometimes. I ain't gonna lie. Not <laughs> not all the time, but like you might have a day where like the power goes up for like five minutes. You like, dang, what happened? Like but like most of the time, it's this good. Like it's good. Trust me. Alexis is like, oh man, I ain't going. <laughs> I need the Wi-Fi. Nah, the Wi-Fi went out for like five minutes, but we good. We good. You'll be fine. Nah, that's dope. That's dope. Let's let's go ahead and get in the match or mismatch. I'm gonna pitch it to Alexis, man. This this is her 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 baby right here, man. Let's, let's get into it. So yeah, so match or mismatch, um, kind of play on words when it comes to basketball, you know, big man, little man. I thought, you know, it was pretty clever, but whatever. Anyway, um, so it's it's um kind of a play on basketball and fashion. Um, we're trying to kind of explore that fashion space. Um, I have a real interest in how you know basketball, but sports in general and fashion kind of meet at that intersection. You know, we kind of look into these athletes, see mm-hmm. what they're wearing. Um, the collabs with designers, et cetera. So my first question kind of under this umbrella um, segment would be for you. Um, when it came to dressing and kind of putting thought into, you know, the clothes that you're wearing, was that something that you always did or was it once people started recognizing you from the show or once you started having to, you know, appear on these different platforms that you started putting a little bit more care in it or were you always someone that kind of was like, okay, no, I have to wear this, this, and this? <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm real chill. Like, I wear like a lot of sweatpants, like, I'm I'm real chill. Like when it comes to dressing up, like I don't really like to dress. I like to wear like like nice like suits and things. Like if I'm going somewhere, I like to dress up in that sense. Like a date night, like we're going to really dress up, like put a dress on, you know what I mean? And I'll wear some nice and we can go out. But as far as like day to day, I work from home. So I'm like, I'll wear like a t shirt, a scouts app t shirt and some shorts and I'll be working from home. I'll be and I don't I don't really care. I'm not yeah, don't think of me as like the fashion guru. I really don't care, to be honest. Well, earlier you mentioned being on the cover for uh, 30 Under 30. When it came to kind of what you wore for that, was it kind of Forbes came with different options for you? Was it more so they asked you what you're comfortable in and then they pulled options for you that way? How did the styling for that cover go for you? Yeah, I, I had a suit. Um, it wasn't the best suit. I don't know why I wore that suit. But <laughs> but um, they had a, a stylist there, so they the stuff didn't fit. Like, I know, no, the first the first outfit they did fit. I didn't really like it. It had like a feathery type. Or if you look at it, it was like feathery top. Like I didn't really like it to be honest, but I had no choice. I had to wear it, so I wore that. Um, and the second one, I wore a suit, but I didn't really put much thought into what I was gonna wear because I didn't know how it was gonna go. I didn't know if like 
how the pictures were gonna go, like how we're gonna look. So I didn't really put much thought into it. But looking back now, I should have, because I could have really put some together. You know what I mean? But it's all good. It's all good. Uh, so my last question kind of under this segment for you mentioned, you know, just your love for travel and want to see new things. Um, so part of that is, you know, just noticing how people are dressing different fashion and stuff like that. So what place would you say you've gone to and you've been the most surprised with their fashion or kind of what was in, what was trendy, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Europe always has some weird clothing. Like Europe is weird because sometimes they wear like so much different. And Andrew, you can kind of attest to this, like, the guys wear super, super tight clothes. Backs. And then, like, the girls kind of wear baggy clothes a little bit. It's, it's kind of weird. Like, the girls wear, like, baggy jeans and, like, or, like, looser. I don't know. It's, like, backwards, like, kind of backwards. Like, the girls <laughs> wear tight clothes and the guys wear loose clothes. So it's, Europe is way different. It's super different. Like, the whole continent. Not even just one place. The whole continent is the same. So how would you describe the, the, the fashion or style in Africa? Like, I feel like it's... it's they dress completely different than everybody's in the world. So, like, what would you kind of, how would you describe the, the style over there? It's real elegant. Sometimes, like, if you're really in Africa, like, you're really in that crowd, it, it gets real elegant. Like, they'll wear some really, really nice stuff. Um, dang, man, it's, it's really tough. Like, they wear really nice things. Like, I, I can't even describe it. Like, America, like, if we go to a party, you might see some girls in some leggings. You might see some girls wearing anything. In Africa, they kind of, they can't wear just anything. Like, they got to wear, like, a dress. Like, you got to wear, you got to look nice when you go to these places. Like, you won't wear jeans to a party. Like, you got to wear, like, a dress or a skirt. And, like, you'll see people with, like, with that stuff on. They'll have Versace. You know what I mean? It's Africa, but these people got money, man. I don't know. Like, they, they, when I was growing up, man, they made Africa look so bad. But when I got here and I really moved there, I'm like, yo, these people got more money. I remember more rich people in Africa than I did in America. And that's facts. I met way more wealthy people in Africa. They just have it. And like, you know, Africa, there's no credit score. So like you have it, you really have it. Like those African artists that was the musicians, like Wizkid, those guys, they're not getting no cars on credit. Like those are really their cars. Like they really have the money. Like they're really getting real cash. Like there's no credit score in Africa. So like there's no they have credit cards, but it's like, bro, these guys getting stupid money. Like it's ridiculous. That's hectic. So um Couple quick hitters for you, man. What's your favorite place you've uh you traveled, man? You've been all over the world. So favorite favorite city or favorite uh, country you've traveled? My favorite city is Barcelona. I used to play there, so I, I love Barcelona, man. It's like my favorite city because it's a mix of like the beachy and then the bougie and then the the city vibe of Europe. So I love I love all three. Okay, okay. Uh, favorite cast member from uh the circle? Ah, my girl Sammy. She's cool. That's my home girl. <laughs> okay. Uh, funniest or favorite moment when you look back on your time on the show, like something you like, damn, that was lit. Like, damn, um, favorite time, yeah, favorite moment. Damn. That had to be in the show or like in the in the process. Uh, give us one of you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So favorite moment in the show was probably uh, there's so many. My favorite show was when I finally met like like Catherine. I guess her name was Karen. <laughs> Karen, like the she was kind of like a dykish, like you know what I mean? Yeah, she was cool. She was cool as shit, actually. She was cool. She's from New York, she's from the Bronx, so she was cool as shit. But um, yeah, she was fun. But outside of the show, it was um it was uh we, we went out, after the show, we went out after like the reunion. We all went out and we got drinks. We were supposed to go out. We got we got drunk as hell. Like we was drunk as hell. Everybody was drunk as hell. We was like, that was a good time. It was a vibe. Why'd you pictures. say why'd you huh? say y'all to go out i don't know never had these rules like we 
I'm sorry, Nephis, I was going out. Like, it was a lot of things we were supposed to do. Like, like my bodyguard went to sleep. I snuck out the house. I would go out to the parties. Like, like bro, I went out to the club a few times. Like, I went, I was dolo too, but UK, like, they kind of like, I speak English, but it's like American English. So they was like, oh, you're, you're from America. Like, you know, how they got the accent. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm from America. I lied and went to, I said, I'm from New York. They said, oh my gosh, I love New York. Da, 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 da. And I was like, yo, what's up? And then we just, we all just went out. They, the UK people have stupid money too. Cause they just had a bet. Like when this one group of guys, these white guys, they had this like, like a stack of like pounds. Like they call it pounds there. Like that's their currency. They're like, yo, we're going to this section. We went to the section. But that shit was crazy. I love UK. <laughs> UK is like the, my, one of my favorite places. It's just the weather sucks there. It's like I would never live there. But yeah, UK is fun as hell. Yeah, that's lit, bro. Yo, it's funny. Whenever, even over here in Japan, bro, if people ever ask from the States, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm from New York. <gasps> oh, New York. Oh, oh yeah. yeah they like, love everybody. everybody from America loves New York. Like they see it on TV. Nah, facts, bro. It's like it's like the people from overseas, like they 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 fantasy, they dream or something. Go to New mm-hmm. York, bro. I see. I say Philly or Delaware. They be like, I don't know what that is. I don't care about that. <laughs> if I say New York, they be like, Oh, New York. Oh yeah. No, and yo, Lex is gonna go. She'll get on my ass because look, out here, right? People ask me from. I I'll be like, uh, I always say DC. I'm like, oh, because nobody know like Silver Spring or I'm like, oh Washington. <laughs> oh, like oh Washington DC. Because <laughs> we have Rudy. You from Silver Hollywood. Spring? Huh. You from Silver Spring? Yeah, Silver Spring, Tacoma Park area. I used to live in Silver Spring. I mostly like Belts Village area, but uh, I'll be there a lot. I was gonna go to school there when I was a kid, man. I was gonna go to Springbrook. That's that's where I went to high school, bro. For real? Yeah. I went so to you know Jamal, school, yeah. you know Jamal and all those guys, bro. Jamal, Turtle, Z, they're my big. Yeah, brother. all them, bro. That's my, that's my, they're like my big bro. I wanted to visit there when I was like freshman high school, bro. I was like, yo, should I go here? These dudes won like three back-to-back state chips. Like they was nice. Like that. That was like that. Hey, they should have came through, man. You know what I'm saying? That would have been litty. No cap. Nah, I mean that was that was. But like I say, it's it's like a cardinal sin if you're from DMV. You say you're from DC, you're not from DC. But I don't got no choice over here. You know what I'm saying? So I got she, yeah, 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 gotta, gotta give me a pass. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, um. But nah, man. Last question we got for you for you guys here, man. Um. You always ask our guests. Um. Who was one person that you wanted to have on the platform? You think we should have more here? And uh, whoever you say. You gotta help us get them on, you know what I'm saying? So you gotta get in your point mm-hmm. guard bag, give us the assist. You know what I'm saying? It could be a hooper, it could be another um entrepreneur, it could be somebody, you know, anybody really that, that you think is influential, has a dope story. Um, you know, who who would that person be? Basketball or non-basketball? Either one. It could be basketball, it could be non-basketball. Like I said, we've had a, we've had photographers on here. Um, we're about to have a stylist on. We had a fashion designer on last week. Um, so we got a bunch of you had an NBA player. Yeah, we had we had Quinn, Hami, Terrence, man, had a bunch of guys on here. Okay, okay, nice, nice, nice. Hmm. Let me see, who should I get you guys on here for? Um, hmm. they got to so, talk. They got to talk. They well, the talk. World Cup is yeah, coming, yeah, so maybe yeah. I can get somebody from the World Cup. I'm trying to think. I don't know. Maybe Carlos Boozer. You guys are like maybe him. That'd be dope. That'd be lit. Yeah, you know Carlos. Boozer? Yeah, that's my guy. I'm trying to go see him like next week, maybe sometime if he's free. You know, he got his own thing going on, but yeah, he's cool. He's good, people, good people. Okay, okay. Well, you may if you can make that happen, that'd be dope, man. You know what I'm saying? We have to have. Yeah, I'm gonna go see him. I'm, 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 I'm put him. I'm putting his ear. I think I think it'll be a good thing. A good thing so he can kind of tell his side of things and his story, 
I don't think he really speaks a lot about, you know, his story. So I think it'll be cool. Nah, fact. It's crazy. I was just listening to um the Draymond Green podcast last night and they were talking about Gilbert Arenas. because uh, you know, Gilbert Arenas and Draymond were both second round picks, and then they put in the Gilbert Arenas rule. I don't know if I know the story, but basically he got he signed this like uh six year, sixty million dollar deal with the Wizards. And then after that, they made it so like second round picks could sign for more than the mid level exception so they could stay with their team because he left the Warriors because the Warriors couldn't pay him because he had a crazy mm-hmm. sophomore year and the Warriors couldn't afford to pay him. And Carlos Boozer was the first dude that kind of took advantage of the Gilbert Arenas rule. And they were talking about mm-hmm. it on the show. He ran off with the Cavaliers because the Cavaliers were like, yeah, man, you know, we can only sign you for um 24 million. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause that was, he was second round pick. So that was all the offer. He was like, yeah, man, just, uh, I'm out of my deal. Cause it's a team option. The team has an option to either, you know, lock you into the deal or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, just um make me a free agent. And I'll, I'll back into to 24 million. You know, this, this is where I want to stay. And they said as soon as they opted him out of the deal, he peaced out and went to Utah for like eighty-four million. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he finessed him. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be cool, man. Um, now this has been amazing, though, man. This has been a great conversation. Um, like I said, I learned a lot. Um, I always enjoy just talking to people from different avenues, different walks of life, man, because you can learn so much, man. And you definitely have a crazy story, man. Just from getting put out of school to remaking yourself and being able to you know, become a Forbes 30 under 30, you know, guy, entrepreneur. Um, you're doing a lot of great things, man. So I definitely just want to say, number one, thank you for coming on today, man. We we really appreciate it. Um, like I said, man, I've been following your journey for a while. I'm going to continue following you. Um, and like I said, man, I'm, I'm excited to see where the Scouts app goes. Um, and like I said, man, we I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to put that Africa trip on my list, man. I might got to pop out the Cape Verde, take advantage of them. The got baby. to, man. You got to. Got to. You got to raise some millions, man. Get the millions. No cap. No cap, man. There you go. Then you got to pay for Alexis to go everywhere around the world. She's going to be on your ass. <laughs> hey, listen, we go, we've we been taking all facts. I like him. I like him. I like him. I like him. Hey, listen, we're going to take, we're going to take what's in your bag worldwide. No cap. There we go. Oh, man. Nah, man, this has been another episode of the What's In Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. As always, like I said in the beginning of the show, y'all, if y'all sat through this whole interview and y'all got to this point, subscribe. You know what I'm saying? Let's go ahead and tap that, that, that button below. Subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. If you're listening to it on Spotify, give us a thumbs up. It goes a long way. Um, this is going to be my guy, Pull Up Tay, on the outro. Until next time, folks. Peace. Suave. 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 I've been in my bag for a while, I'm invincible Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical Calling on my bros one time, cause you special I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil Different route, change relationships, I'm so sorry Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly Thank you for listening to Believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show And giving us a 5 star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.